Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves, and we all know what happens to sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they are still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We're excited to have you with us today. We've got a great program planned for you. We're going to be talking with uh, one of my VOM co-workers about Voice of the Martyrs' work in China, about the persecuted church there, how the church is persecuted and how they respond and how God sustains uh, and encourages them even as they go through persecution. Then later on, we're going to have a question from one of our listeners. This is a call from South Carolina. Uh, and the question is about financial accountability and how VOM spends the dollars that our faithful donors give us in order to serve the persecuted church. It's an important question for Voice of the Martyrs, uh, and really it's an important question for every ministry organization. So we'll be talking about that later on in the show. If you want to connect with us, if you have a question or you have a country that you'd like to hear more about, you can connect with us online at vomradio.net. You can hear past episodes. You can uh, connect up with this episode. You can share it with your friends. You can also call our question and comment line. It's 1-800-757-5069. We'll have that number again later for you, but... uh, Listen in. Today we're going to be talking about China, and I want to welcome Nick into our studio. Uh, Nick, if you're one of our first-time listeners, Nick is one of my co-workers, and uh, he is a part of the International Department at Voice of the Martyrs focusing on the country of China and focusing on the persecuted church there, supporting the church there. How can we help them? What do they need? And so uh, we're excited to have you with us today. Nick, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Todd. My pleasure. Let's talk a little bit first, because uh, one of the first things somebody's going to say out there is, well, wait a minute, I thought they didn't persecute Christians in China anymore. I I heard that that that's all over now and everything's free. So you talk to people around the country. When somebody says that to you, what do you say? How do you answer them? Well, I think there are a few points that we have to remember, a few important points. Number one, China is still communist. And although it has opened up uh, economically, the structures are still there. Uh, in fact, the old Soviet-style structures of communism are still there. Uh, and communism has always been threatened by religion. And that has not changed in China. So another thing to remember about communism is that it is a system that can adjust to the times. And especially the Chinese form of communism has done just that. So the nature of persecution has changed somewhat in China. It may not be in your face as much as it used to be, but people are still being dragged away to prison. We have stories of that happening almost weekly. People are being harassed. People are having their power cut off, their water cut off. Uh, We're still seeing this happen, but they've adjusted in that they found ways to hide it better and to do it where the whole world can't always see it. The second thing that we've been learning about persecution in China is that there are many churches now, many house churches that are afraid to speak out about persecution. 
And they're afraid because they know that if there is foreign involvement, foreign media, sometimes the persecution can worsen. And they would rather just suffer through it and hope it ends rather than let people know about it. Which obviously plays into the hands of the Chinese government. I mean, they, they certainly don't want these stories to be told. They don't want the rest of the world to know what's happening. So that fear is something, obviously, they're, they're trying to use that fear to keep these stories from getting out. That's right. And fear, of course, is an important part of the communist system. And uh, they've used it effectively uh, for many years now. So our job is to help uncover these stories, but do it in a way where the house churches are not going to be worried about their safety. And so we're very sensitive about reporting on these stories. I think of the verse that comes to mind is that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So we we speak against that and we stand against that. I'm talking with Nick, one of our international workers who travels to China. And just, you know, if you're listening to the Voice of the Martyrs radio for the first time, I'll remind you, oftentimes we use only first names or we use a fake name altogether to protect the safety of our workers and to protect the safety of the persecuted Christians that we talk to. So, Nick, let's talk a little bit about about your work, because you go to China you sit down with these Christian brothers and sisters, you drink tea with them, you hear their stories. What's that like? What, is, what does that do to you, your heart and your spirit? Well, I think first and foremost, it is a very humbling experience to sit with these brothers and sisters and hear them tell us these stories. Many of them are not even that enthusiastic about telling us what happened to them. We, we have to ask them, please tell us. Uh, I mean, I've sat with people who I know beforehand, they were beaten, they were in prison. They don't brag about that. They don't make a big deal about it. We have to really ask them to get to the bottom of it. But let me interrupt. Why do you think that is? Is it just because they're very humble people or is it because that's such a normal part of the Christian life in China that they don't even think it's you know, they don't think it's unusual. They don't think it's worthwhile to share the story. Well, that's a good question. And maybe it's a combination of both. Uh, they are very humble people. And they do try to downplay it a lot. But I don't know. I, I do believe that what's happened to them, it has affected them. I mean, it may be a normal thing in terms of there are a lot of Christians being persecuted. But certainly many of them have been traumatized by it. But I feel like Chinese Christians have such a joy in their heart. And that's what really comes out when we talk to them. It's not so much the trauma of what happened. It's the joy of what happened. And that's what humbles me because I think about my life here in America and the things that I complain about, the things that bother me. And then I talk to them and I try to put myself in their shoes and I realize I've got nothing to complain about they do have something to complain about, but they don't. All they can talk about is how God used this experience in their lives. I remember so well several years ago being in China with a lady who had just, she'd just been in prison for six months. And, uh, you know, we're sitting there interviewing her and I asked about the prison. And, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, tell me how bad it was. And uh, she got this amazing smile on her face, and she said, oh, yes, that was a wonderful time. <laughs> and I'm like, I looked at the translator because I thought there's no possible way he translated my question correctly. 
you know, I'm asking about prison, six months in prison. No, no, that he translated correctly. That was a wonderful time. And she went on to talk about, you know, God was there with me and he really ministered to me. And I got to share the gospel with the other ladies in my cell. And she just thought that was wonderful. That was a great time spiritually. That was a great time with the Lord. So I've seen firsthand that joy that you talk about. And it is very humbling and very contagious because uh, you see that and you think, wow, if this person who's gone through all of these things can have a smile on their face and want to talk about how faithful God was, uh, like you say, what what do I what am I complaining about? What have I got going on? Let me ask you this because I think some of our listeners will wonder. You're going into a communist country. You're bringing out stories that obviously the government doesn't want the rest of the world to know. Is it dangerous for you? What is it? Do you know? Do you feel like you're at risk when you go there? Well, I think I am. I think I'm being watched. But when I think about the danger, I think what we think about the most is the danger for the people that we're talking with or interviewing. There is some danger for us uh, as an American traveling. But, for example, if I were to get caught, I might spend a couple days in prison and then be sent home. Some of the people that we're talking to, if they were caught talking to us, the consequences would be far worse. So we keep that in mind when we're setting up our meetings. Always we have uh, our Chinese brothers and sisters in our mind as the top priority for security. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. You know, you could be put on a plane and they could tell you not to come home. Uh, that's a really small price to pay compared to... Uh, and I know you've met with brothers and sisters who've been in prison for months and even years, and uh, that that puts the risk in a little bit of perspective. I know just recently uh, on your visit to China, you were with uh, the family of a man who is in prison right now. So he's locked up uh, because of his Christian work. You're with his family. What was that like? What was what was it like for them? What what are they going through? And what was it like for you to to sit down and be there with them. Well, I had the privilege of meeting with his family a few times last year. And I think for me, what really gripped me was sort of the the conflicts or the paradoxes that I encountered in this story. You have this family that has recently lost uh, this lady lost her husband to prison, and her daughter, her son, uh, lost their father uh, to prison. So this guy's in prison. He's going to be there probably for another two years. And this family, they're very strong Christians. They love the Lord very much. And you can see on one hand how strong they are because they're still together. But on the other hand, you can see how sad they are. And I think uh, just sitting down with uh, this, this woman, Rainbow, I feel like sometimes she's very happy that her husband is having this experience because she knows that he is in prison witnessing to people. He is continuing his ministry. But then when she talks about her children, that's when tears fill her eyes and... She can't stand the fact that her husband is in prison. So I realize that it's really an emotional roller coaster for them. And that's why 
I want to do my best to be there for them however we can, encourage them in the good times and the bad times. How do you do that? Uh, what do you say to them when you sit down? For instance, when her eyes are, are filled with tears and, and she's thinking about, you know, my children are growing up without their father, what do you say? What do you do? Well, that is the challenge. And don't forget that usually I'm speaking through a translator. So I want to find a way to sort of bridge that language barrier and really let her know that I am there for her, that we are there for her. So, you know, usually when we're meeting with uh, someone like her, we want them to tell their stories. We want to give them a chance to do that and to be able to sort of feel what they're feeling. But then afterwards is when I really try to sit down with her and just, you know, hug her, pray for her, and just uh, just listen. I think that's the most important thing that we can do is listen. This lady does have a lot of people around her from the house church who are who are encouraging her. And in a way, I'm an outsider. But just for her to know that there are people around the world who are praying for her, that is a huge encouragement. So that's what I really try to do is just explain to her that you are not alone. There are people who really care about you. People have seen you and they know what you're going through and be encouraged by that. You've met her children. Do you do you put yourself in their shoes? I, I mean, I know, wh- what would you guys have done if, if you were a teenager and your dad got arrested and sent to prison? How would that have affected your family? You know, I try not to think about that too much because I come from a large family and um, I can't imagine what it would have been like if my dad had disappeared for even a year or even six months. And this guy's going to be in prison uh, for a total of three years. So I feel like in my heart that our family would have fallen apart. And my mom is a very strong woman, but that is a very heavy burden to bear. So I have so much sympathy, so much compassion for Rainbow, even though I know she's a strong woman and she has all the support around her, I can see the pain in her eyes. I have talked to her children. I can see how much it hurts them to know that daddy's not going to be there when I come home from school every day. He's not going to be there. He's hundreds of miles away in a prison. And yet you also see the faithfulness of this lady uh, who, as you said, is is on one hand excited about the opportunities that her husband has, the way God is using him. Um, how how does that balance out, or, or how does that? I mean, as you're talking to her, is it like up and down, even from moment to moment within the conversation, or does that how, just how it tell us about that? I think so. I did a couple of interviews with her and sometimes she's very happy sometimes she's smiling when she's thinking back on her husband and the ministry that they've had together and some happy family memories and when she's talking about what her husband is doing in prison which her husband has already led three or four people to Christ you can see the joy in her face but then I think when reality kind of sets in again and she starts thinking about the challenges that she's facing now, 
you can see her face cloud up. And at least one interview that we did with her, she broke down because she was talking about her children and talking about the challenges of trying to sort of be the mom and the dad and talking about the fact that her son, who is 10 or 11 years old, doesn't understand why this happened. He's very angry, very bitter. And so she has to find a way to comfort him and explain to him why his father is in prison. I think, you know, as a parent, we think, I will sacrifice, I'm willing, but what about my kids? You know, they're being forced to sacrifice, and they didn't necessarily, you know, make the choice. And this, you know, so it, it is a very difficult situation. And I I love what you said, though, about just going and being with them, drinking tea and giving them a hug and praying together and being able to encourage them. That is, that's what we are. That's what Voice of the Martyrs is. That's what we do. Uh, We hunt all over the world to go and be with those people, to hear their stories and to encourage them. Let's talk about their family, because I know the dad who's in prison is one of the prisoners on prisoneralert.com. So there's a really practical way that our listeners can respond to this by writing him a letter, by sending a letter to the Chinese government on his behalf. Let's talk about those letters, because I know every country's a little different and different, even different prisons handle mail differently. In China, do those letters really make a difference? Do the, the letters on prisoner alert, do they get to the prison? Just talk a little bit about that. Yes, well, I believe that they do make a, a big difference. And I think it does depend on the jurisdiction, on the specific case. But we do know that those letters are arriving at the prison. And so oftentimes the prisoner is not going to see the letters himself, but he will often be made aware that they are there. And we've had situations where prison officials will come and say, what is up with this? I mean, what about who are all these people who are writing you? And so he may not actually see the letters, but just that is an encouragement to know that there are people writing. But I do believe that it also has an an effect on the legal process. And there's a lot of different factors that go into legal decisions. And I do think that international pressure, even though the Chinese government claims that they're not swayed by it, they are. And if they know that a certain case has gotten a lot of attention, that could actually sway the decision. But if not that, I do believe that it could have some smaller effects, such as in the prison, how is he being treated, for example. Maybe he's treated with more respect. Maybe he's given a little bit more lenience just because people know that this guy did not disappear into a black hole. People know what's going on. I have been in China last year where uh, in certain cities in China where uh, I have been um, shown letters that came through prisoneralert.com. Uh, family members have shown me letters and they've said, you know, we've received these. The prison sent them on to us or, you know, we, we've gotten them somehow and we love them. They are such an encouragement. So I really do encourage people to write because maybe the guy doesn't go free because of your letters, but they do have 
a very positive impact. And they have a positive impact on you as well, because once you've mailed a letter, you've sort of taken ownership of that situation. That's going to make you more passionate in your prayers. It's going to make you more effective. So go to prisoneralert.com. You can list the prisoners by country. You can see the ones from China. If you're just joining us here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network, we're glad that you're with us today. I'm Todd Nettleton. We're talking to one of my VOM co-workers, Nick, about the persecuted church in China. If you are just now joining us, you can go on vomradio.net. You can hear this entire interview, this entire show, and uh, kind of catch up with where we're at now. Nick, we're coming down on kind of the tail end of our time together, and I want to talk a little bit specifically about what VOM does, because we're not just about telling the story, and we're not just about going and and drinking tea with these families. We're about helping the persecuted church in China. So what are some projects specifically within China that we've done, say, in the last year, uh, really to help not just like Rainbow and her family, but to help the church, to help the broader church in China? Well, when we're talking about persecution cases, we do provide legal assistance when needed, and we, pro- we, we provide assistance for families. Like in Rainbow's case, we're helping her uh, while her husband's in, in prison. So those are some specific ways that we help. More generally speaking, we provide a lot of Bibles in China. Last year, we provided more than a quarter of a million Bibles to house churches around the country. I'm talking about almost in every single province you could find groups of people who have received our Bibles. We also provide literature and translations of our books, which I believe are a real encouragement, especially to these uh, groups of house church members that are being persecuted, for them to be able to read Tortured for Christ, for example, or uh, Women of Faith, and for them to be able to relate to other people, perhaps in the past, who have suffered similar, that's a huge encouragement. I think particularly Tortured for Christ, just because, you know, we talked about the fact that this is a communist country, Tortured for Christ, obviously Richard Wormbrand is writing about being in prison in a communist country. So I can see how they would really tie into some of the things that he shares in that book. Kind of a cool connection for them to be able to read a story about somebody in a communist country just like where they live. Yeah, that's right. And I think that they really glean a lot from these books because they understand, I think, better how how to suffer. They are suffering, but they learn... I think, how how he suffered and how he got through it. And I think they're able to apply that uh, to their lives. And we've had some great comments uh, from people about another book that we publish, Extreme Devotion. Uh, just on my last trip here a few months ago, we had um, a guy who was actually a semi-official in the Communist Party and also a house church leader uh, talk to us about Extreme Devotion. He has that on his bookshelf. And what an encouragement that that's been to him. And he said, look, uh, we've got to have every house church Christian read this book, because if you're going to suffer, this is a book that um, that you need to read. The stories of the persecuted church, Extreme Devotion is a, is a daily devotional, so it's 365 stories and quotes from persecuted Christians. Uh, 
I had a hand in writing that book. So that's an incredible blessing just to hear that, that, uh, that it's blessing the Chinese church and encouraging them. Nick, I, I want to ask you one last question as, as we kind of finish up. And it's, it's a question about you because you go to China, you meet with these believers, you have these incredible experiences. Then you come home. What happens? Uh, do, do you hug your son a little tighter after meeting Rainbow's kids who are separated from their father? Uh, does it affect the way you pray? Does it affect the way you read the Bible? How, how, does it, how does it filter into your life? You know, not only do I hug my son and my wife a little tighter when I come home, but I actually share with them, often even before I have a chance to write a report, you know, I, I'm at home uh, resting a little bit, and I have a chance to sit down with them and show them these videos and pictures, and they're able to pray with me for these uh, dear people. So it does have an effect on me. To be honest, sometimes it makes me sad because here I am in a warm studio talking to you, and I know that Rainbow's husband is in a prison in a very cold part of China, but what can I do? I can pray. And I think it really has affected my prayer life because I have a list of people in China who I pray for daily. And it is a blessing to have the chance to share in their suffering. Not that I'm suffering, but by praying for them, I feel like I can encourage them, even though I can't talk to them. Absolutely. And that's a Something we want to remind our listeners of, you can make a difference for the church, not only in China, but in the other nations where Voice of the Martyrs works. You can make a difference through your prayers. Nick, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing about your heart uh, and the people that you've met in China. My pleasure. We're going to go to our phone line now for a question from a listener. If you have a question about Voice of the Martyrs' work or perhaps a specific country where Christians are persecuted, you can contact us online through www.vomradio.net or you can call our toll-free question and comment line. It's 1-800-757-5069. Today's question is uh, from a man named Quinn in South Carolina. Here's the question. Hi, this is Quinn from Bluffton, South Carolina. I try to be careful about what ministries I support and like to make sure that they spend my gifts wisely. I want to know how much salary your CEO makes. Also, what's the percentage of donations to Voice of the Martyrs that goes for administration and fundraising? Thanks. Quinn, thank you for your phone call and raising this important issue. Financial accountability and transparency are important issues at the Voice of the Martyrs as we serve the persecuted church around the world. VOM is an accredited member of the ECFA, which is the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. So we follow all of their guidelines about financial processes, board oversight, things like that. As far as the specifics of your question, let me encourage you, visit persecution.com and click on the About VOM link. There's a page on there about financial accountability. It will provide you with all of the information you're looking for, including audited financial statements and VOM's 990 forms for the past three years. Thanks again, Quinn, for your call. 
This has been the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Thank you for being with us. I want to thank Nick for sharing his experiences in China. I want to thank you for listening in today. You can get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your questions and your comments. Contact us through the web at vomradio.net. You can also call us toll-free 1-800-757-5069. Give us a call. Leave your comment or question. The writer of Hebrews says, remember those in bonds as if you were bound with them. That's what we're trying to do here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Thank you for being with us. I look forward to being with you next time.